and things, you know, things are different to what you what you've seen before. And I've always been the last twenty five years or all my life actually, I've been kind of subconsciously attracting difficult challenges. Uh, one challenge more difficult than the one before. And then I think, okay, well that's this that's the biggest challenge. And you know, now it's getting easier. And then life throws something at you that's getting more that's more complicated and the needs to and that's how it continues, how it continues. So I came into Drake and Farrell and I thought, yeah, I got this. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now, that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this conversation, I speak with David Engel. David is somebody I have a lot of time for. He's, uh, he's been a client, uh, a one-to-one client. He's been a part of my CEO community, Rivendell. And what I love about David, he's a strategist. He's organized. Uh, he's highly accomplished in both the corporate space and also as an entrepreneur. But he also brings this sense of mission and sense of purpose. And he's prepared to do the hard work on himself in order to multiply his impact. Exactly my kind of person. In this conversation, we look at his story. How did he get clear on the inspiring mission that he was on, but also that his company was on? How did he transform the company from being actually run by the founder as more of a lifestyle business to something where he was investing, leading with purpose and really striving to make a difference? We also look at the impact of, of a community around him, of trusted CEO peers, people pushing him out of his comfort zone. How he organized this is his life to focus on the big things and the little things, but actually get rid of the noise in the middle, which is really fascinating and many other things as well. So what I love about David, as I said, is he's a strategist, but he's also got a heart. He's really on purpose. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with David Engel of Drake and Farrell. Hello, David. Hi, I'm, I'm well. Hey, um, I'm really looking forward to talking, David. You know, you and I, we've known each other for a couple of years now. Uh, you've been in my, in my master, in my CEO community, Rivendell. We've worked together one-to-one. I've worked with many of your team. Uh, in different ways. So I kind of know a bit about your journey, but I think it's going to be a nice time uh, over the next few minutes, really just to kind of uh, go to some different places that we've not been before uh, together and explore. Let's let's jump into um, into this story of impact, because one thing I know about you is as CEO of Drake and Farrell, you're on a mission to rid the world entirely of the electronic waste mountain that accumulates over 60 megatons every year in the world. And I'm always curious about purpose. So did that purpose just you wake up one morning and that, you know, you thought that waste mountain is bad or did you just kind of like buy into this company or whatever, and then decide actually this is quite a good purpose after all. So kind of how, how has your own personal purpose evolved, um, you know, as you took the rail, rail took the reins of this, of this company? Oh, they say that, uh, you know, sometimes one's purpose presents itself through the circumstances of your life, uh, which, you know, to an extent is very philosophical, but uh, it was, there was, there's a little bit of truth in that, in, 
my journey. Uh, I've been working at Drake and Farrell now for three and a half years. And, you know, I knew this company for years and years and years and, and knew and I still know the founder and, you know, we're good friends and everything. So, and, you know, I came into this company that were doing what we do today. Yeah. Plus, you know, many more things. And we, um, kind of, you know, we hit a, 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 a ceiling, so to say, we had a couple of clients was commercially successful. But we, we, we didn't quite know, okay, well, what, what's next? What's 2.0? What's 3.0? So, you know, I came in and, you know, I thought about, okay, well, what is it actually? What is it actually that we stand for? Because when uh, the founder uh, founded the company in, uh, in, in 2006, he said, okay, well, he wants to evolve from being a logistics service pro uh, supplier, let's say, to a partner. And that was quite a nice purpose at the time. And you kind of, we were trying to find that, you know, evolution from there to uh, the next phase. And since now we actually actively rid the world of e-waste uh, in the telecommunications and the e-mobility and the uh, health and med tech uh, space, you know, kind of, kind of, yeah, I came up with it waking up some morning, but you know. <laughs> probably many mornings uh, that I woke up and, and kind of refined it, refined it, refined it. And maybe a first version of the purpose would have been, uh, yeah, we want to get rid of the e-waste, something like that. And I remember that, you know, sort of roughly, I don't know, one and a half, two years ago, roughly, or one and a half years ago, uh, you and I actually were talking and, you know, and I kind of was bouncing about these things and what I was thinking about and how I give the company purpose, which I believe is very important for everybody involved here. Uh, and then you told me, yeah, give me your pitch. And I gave you my pitch about, yeah, and 60 megatons and this and this and that. And you just said, yeah, sounds very boring. <laughs> so I remember that and I thought, uh, yeah, it actually sounds pretty, pretty, pretty boring. So. And I kind of, you know, I said, okay, well, I need to have more super superlatives in there and, and more kind of more, more authenticity. And then, you know, sort of kept digging and say, okay, what do we actually do? I mean, so the last 10 years, we've been uh, saving two and a half megatons from being thrown away, uh, which, you know, which is something we're like, a, you know, 120 people company here in the Netherlands. So, you know, that's, that's quite something. That's quite an impact. So, and, you know, from there, it evolved into actually revolutionary revolutionize the way that uh, society actually deals with electronic waste so which goes beyond what we do but it's also about making people in our near and far environment aware that this is bad that we have 60 megatons or actually 63 megatons last year that's kind of the story about the purpose you know so if you played a role in that you know kind of challenging me to say hey you know it's you know so I sharpen it you know yeah, I remember actually that now because there are a couple of areas, right? One of which was getting really specific because sometimes we have these vague statements for the business which don't mobilize people. So I know we talked about this idea of really getting specific on like what would be something that's measurable that people in the company could get behind and you know when you achieve it. And then actually conversely, the other one is what's the mission that is perhaps more general but way bigger than what you could deliver as a business that you know like a cause that you're part of and something that you want to activate beyond the specific transactions that you can be involved with i think that's the other part right of being part of this global movement yeah yeah exactly 
and and that's uh, and that, and that's the thing, and it's a good thing about you know, so being challenged, you know, by somebody to to kind of hey, you know, so you need to sharpen your pencils on that, you know, so because it sounds really boring, and it kind of the second probably big event was we were nominated for a big uh, a prize here in the Netherlands uh, that we didn't win, you know, sort of uh, which would have been nice because you know the Queen would have you know come and give you the prize, but you know we didn't win. But anyways, uh, so I gave a presentation about what we do. So I had all these mock-ups of electronics and everything. And, you know, I showed this and, and to the audience and everything. So when I explained this and my, my CFO, I mean, she, she, was, she sat in the audience. And when it was finished, there was like this committee of, of, of people sitting there. Was, you know, so, and I was finished and she was going clapping, clapping. And yeah, 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 I work for this company. Great, great, great. I said, oh, okay, yeah. So we were onto something. You were onto something where, which really excites people, which kind of, you know, really gives them energy so and and then that's what we you know trying to develop further and um yeah and uh we're also held i mean you mentioned the um the uh mastermind community um uh, that that you uh, that you're running uh well, was part of uh, last year rivendell and then suddenly you come into a group you know that that have defined certain things you know one has defined their purpose very well you know the other one also and the next one is searching for something else so and 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 you kind of and that is kind of this this um virtuous circle going around because you're telling each other all these things and everything and yeah that that also you know was probably also uh, one of the compelling events that kind of sharpened my pencil on on our purpose yeah i mean what i remember in in rivendell was a couple of things. First of all, you said, you know what, we're, we're quite an eclectic group because we've got, you know, different sized businesses, different geographies. But actually, you say, actually, the co core challenges we're going through as CEO is quite similar, right? The numbers might be different, right? Or the quantity of people, um, but they're very similar things. And I think you're right. There was uh, some great discussion around, like, do, do we really know what we're trying to do? In some, so it was, can we inspire ourselves? I love to say, you know, you can't inspire others until you're inspired yourself. And so when I said the thing I said to you that time, Sounds a bit boring. It's because you weren't sounding sold on your own mission. Exactly, and that's uh, very often. That's very often the case uh, with with things. You know, also, and then we have the purpose. We have our, you know, we derive our strategies, and then we implement and, and execute, and kind of we dilute. You know, and and when you dilute, you put water into the juice. You know, it's less juicy. Yeah, so that's that's very simple, and it's also you know it's not authentic juice anymore so it's watered down juice yeah? so and that's that's what happens uh because you know kind of go a little bit to the left and a little bit here and a little bit here and you move away further from your core and from your purpose by all the things that you're doing um and all the things you think you need to be doing uh but you're not contributing to the purpose and it's by the way the same thing when uh, when you think about impact when you think about you know, if you want to make a big impact, okay, well, you need to keep at it. You know, there's this this book from this guy, you know, he's saying, uh, if you want to change the world, you know, start making your bed. Yeah, which sounds sound silly, but, you know, sort of, you know, it's these little routines that you need to do every day and every week and every month and every year. And, you know, to an extent, it's rep repetitive because it keeps you on track for the big goal, for the big purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're speaking right to me, actually, David, in this moment, because, yeah, I got a clear 
over the last couple of years, you know, on my purpose, which is I really want to work. I really, I do work. I am working, you know, with, with the top leaders who are changing the world in different ways. And I, but I need to keep my intense focus on that and expanding my impact within that field rather than getting distracted by, you know, here's somebody who wants to get a promotion, right? Or here's somebody who, uh, yeah, this thing might, I mean, I can help on those things. I'm going have some programs for that, but at the very high level, you know, it's like, how committed am I going to be on my mission that I'm going to do anything to make that happen? Or am I going to, you know, take what I call the high achievers route out, which is, you know, if you're not achieving in one particular moment or one particular quarter, you kind of redefine the rules so that you can still hit some target that you set yourself, right? Like, yeah, well, I didn't, I'm not delivering on my mission, but I made a big number or I, you know, I blew through my, you know, my, you know, whatever, right? So for me, that, that's really important is to stay firm on, and resilient. So tell me about that. How do you do that? Because I'm sure you've had, well, I know you've had ups and downs on that journey, good quarters, bad quarters, surprises, things that might pull you off course. Yeah, that's a very good question because, um, you know, obviously, I mean, you expect you come into a, uh, into a new company and, and, and things, you know, things are different to what, you, what you've seen before. And I've always been, the last 25 years or all my life, actually, I've been kind of subconsciously attracting difficult challenges, uh, one challenge more difficult than the one before. And then I think, okay, well, that's, that's, that's the biggest challenge. And, you know, now it's getting easier. And then life throws something at you that's getting more, that's more complicated and that needs to, and that's how it continues, how it continues. So I came into Drake and Farrell and I thought, yeah, I got this. I got this. I've got, I'm 25 years logistics, no problem. Yeah. So, and then you, you look at the dynamics um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, com uh, it's, it's a smaller company. However, you've got the same issues the same uh, wins, the same problems, the same everything uh, than the big companies. And um, so it came to me as a little bit of a revelation to say, oh, what the hell? Why do we not, you know, so how does that, you know, and why why do we not, and why can it, can it not work like this from there into a more serene mode, uh, mode where I'm saying, oh, hang on, so I'll need to step back. So analyze more, dig deeper into the things and work more qualitative, let's say, you know, so whereas the 25 or 20 years earlier, I've always been uh, working also a lot, you know, speed is very important and, you know, put a lot of hours in and then these kinds of things. But I kind of during journey here, Drake and Farrell, I've come to realize that, you know, I need to work more on the essence, more qualitative. So if you spend five hours on something and then you solve it and that makes a big impact and then you reflect on it and you say oh okay that's that's you know that's how it all works so then it dawns on you that you need to seek these high impact activities where you can be uh, contributing towards yeah and uh that doesn't mean that you know sort of i don't make my own bed of course i do yes yeah, so but and that's the but that's the basis but you know but you can't make the big impact in the world without having had breakfast and got dressed and, you know, these, these routine things that you need to do. So what I do is I'll do those routine things, you know, including sports routines and things like that in so very early in the morning, but I'll also, you know, focus on those big things. You know, I'm trying to get that balance in between. And the middle, that is the danger. That is where the distraction lingers in the dark, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a great point, right? Because you have the high, um, the high-end activities, the really big ones, but then you have also, as you said, the really important things. Like you've got to maintain your energy, your creativity, the foundations for those, and it's the stuff in the middle that's not really doing anything so important uh, that we've got to be careful of. So that's a beautiful way of putting it. I think what you're saying is it's actually about quality. You know, it's like we need to do quality and not quantity. You know, it's so you say working on the essence, right? It's those key things. But you feel like getting the purpose right, you know, the, the leverage that you get on that when a whole organization crystallizes that purpose is huge, right? Much better than doing a whole bunch of tactical things in the same period of time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the, the interesting thing about that is you need to find that essence yourself because, you know, nobody tells you that. And certainly in a CEO position, uh, and, you know, I'm sure that, that you know, my fellow, uh, you know, senior leaders out there uh, will, will agree, you know, there's nobody telling you, there's no shareholder telling you the essence and what you need to do. There is no other stakeholder that tells you, okay, well, this and this and that. They, or what they tell you is expectation. I want you to make the quarter. I want you to make the months or, you know, do this or that strategy or whatever. That's an expectation, but they don't tell you the essence. And that is something you need to find within yourself and then apply to the business. And that's kind of your your own musk, if you want, yeah. <laughs> yeah your, your own, you know, thing put into uh, the organization. So so tell me a bit about uh, the journey for, the journey that you've been on with me. Like, so Rivendell, you know, you joined that community. And I remember it was interesting because I know somebody had recommended to you that you check it out. We had a call and you were pretty much like straight in. You were like, fine, let's do it. So you kind of took a bit of bit of a punt, right? You didn't know me that that well at that point, um, but you jumped in. So I'm kind of curious as to was what you thought you were going to get the same as what you got, or was it different? And, and in what way? And you know, how, how did that work out? Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. We had that call. That's right. And uh, so you're telling me, okay, well, we've got these, you know, senior leaders and and this and that. And you know, to be honest, at that point, you, you probably think, okay, well, so you have those senior leaders. I'm in that position where. I could use some, you know, kind of more or less informal advice that you can get out of a group like that to kind of solve a couple of, you know, simple business problems, you know, because there are certain things, uh, you know, that, that you need to talk some to somebody about, uh, and that concerns very specific decision-making, you know, should I go or should I stay, and uh, where you are alone, you know, where, where nobody helps you. So, and, and that was one of those things where I said, oh, those people, they are very much the same position, so I could probably, you know, kind of get that out there. So probably a very selfish view, but you know, hey. And then I discovered, you know, so I, when I when I joined the group, uh, and I remember we had this uh, kickoff um, uh, session, and I was sitting in a hotel somewhere I can't remember where, and uh, I forgot my preparation folder, so I kind of made things out up as we go, and I thought, oh man. I, I think, you know, I'm an imposter. I'm not right for this group, you know, <laughs> based on, you know, what I, what, what my, my delivery uh, at the kickoff, you know, sort of, I said, oh, okay. And so, so that were kind of the first kind of experiences. And it was very interesting because it evolved throughout the following months that, you know, all the other CEOs, they had that same feeling one way or another, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Am I right for this? And am I right for this position? And can I actually do that? So, they have this kind of, you know, imposter syndrome as well, yeah, which is very human, you know, not 
it doesn't mean you know if you you're you're a leader somewhere it doesn't mean you stop being human yeah so we all have that but you know for me it's helped throughout the course of Revendell last year so kind of to you know realize that in myself and conquer it thus better yeah so yeah it's really interesting right um I was actually laughing at, I, was, I was thinking of the the first kind of the intake of our most recent cohorts in Riverdale and people were doing their introductions as you know we do I'd like to do a little bit uh push people out of their comfort zone to go deep fast and we're going to do introductions and yeah had a some of the people there I mean they're all like extremely competent I was looking at one of you know one of the people you know you you know right he runs a multiple billion dollar business and like his eyes are popping out his head as he met these other people you know because he was like oh my word I can't believe I'm in the room with this person right and this person and of course they then feel exactly the same thing when when he introduces himself right and for me that's like the perfect thing right which is because a lot of, a lot of CEOs they kind of often feel they're a bit the smartest person in the room whenever they go into a room you know, or the most experienced or the most senior or whatever. And so I suppose I did want to create in Rivendell something where the caliber of people were so high that everybody was like, wow, you know, I can really learn from this person. I'm not the smartest person in the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I can, the imposter syndrome is a feature, right? If, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, you get you you get to this. Uh, and, and, you know, it's I think it's also an expectation because, you know, people expect from you that, you know, you know, Everything about sales, everything about finance, everything about operations, what, everything about the business and and uh, you know, uh, uh, your customers and everything. So that's kind of the expectation, and I think a lot of leaders, a lot of CEOs, directors, they they kind of take on that challenge and you know, so want to be an expert in everything. But I think you know, I'm I'm not an expert in IT, for instance. I know a little bit about IT, the very high level. But I'm not the expert, and and you need to kind of realize that you are not, and that you need help. Yeah, that you need somebody, and and then it's about you know you trust somebody to do that. You know, and that can be the you know the chief commercial officer, can be the CFO, can be the CIO. You know, and and you need those people that you can trust that do that function, and they're experts at their function. And what you then do is you help them and you coach them and you enable them and you facilitate and you know them to do their very best and because you do that all the time you're kind of alone yeah so and you come to that group at Rivendell and suddenly you know people do that for you and and you think like oh great you know <laughs> for a change yeah it's nice yeah and here's one more thing that I also took from the group back into my company that you know I'm allowing more often than not, you know, people from my leadership team or from from uh, from from the entire team to kind of help me on a certain thing, you know, and uh, kind of encourage them to challenge me more, criticize me more, and you know, do these kinds of things because that makes the company stronger, you know, sort of that, you know, the, the that process. Yeah. yeah, not feeling you have to do it all. Yeah, and and make all those decisions. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So what I'm hearing is. You came in thinking I'm going to just get a few kind of tactical tips from these other people. So, but then I heard there was some, there was some deeper stuff around confidence and not being, you know, being an imposter, not being an imposter, and something there around kind of just that support network as well. As well as it, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, and uh, and that comes from uh, not only the experience from the other people, but it just comes through also little things like, hey, I've had this challenge before, and that's not only helping you 
solve that challenge better, but it also gives it a feeling, hey, you know, uh, it's it's not a big deal. You know, it's not a big deal. You can actually uh, uh, work this. You can actually do this. Yeah, and 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 uh, it's actually okay. Yeah? So, and th- and that's uh, that's the transformative uh, part of it. Yeah. So, also through those little things. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to introduce you to two transformative programs that we run. The first is Rivendell my exclusive group of top CEOs who are committed to transforming themselves, their businesses, and the world. It's an incredible peer group and a deep coaching experience that will push you to new heights, no matter how successful you've already been. The second is Impact Accelerator, a coaching program for executives who are ready to make a big leap forward in their own leadership. It's regularly described as life-changing and no other program provides such personal strategic clarity, a measurable shift in stakeholder perceptions, and a world-class leadership development environment. Find out about both of these programs at xquadrant.com slash services. Now back to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So, um, so let's kind of pass and move on uh, in the journey because I know that then, you know, we, we decided to start working together one-to-one. And so tell me about the, like, what's the, can you go back to multiplying our impact, right? Which is the name of this podcast. So in what way are you trying to multiply your impact? You know, a year, you know, an extra year down the road, perhaps, from when you first joined Rivendell. And, what, you know, if you like, why did you say, well, hey, let me go deeper with Richard? You know, what was that? What was the, the motivation for that? Well, for me, the impact, you know, multiplying the impact, you know, it's a very, it's very clear to me because, and it's a derived from my purpose because, you know, I'm doing something good for society. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, that's, that's what we deeply believe. And the more impactful we can do this, the better it is. So it's a very simple equation. Yeah. And so I've been after Rivendell, I've been kind of saying to myself, all right, okay, so I want to, you know, really go deep on that and sort of deep on, on how do I put myself into a position to even increase impact more? Because it's obviously something you achieve a big impact today. doesn't mean, you know, the same thing happens tomorrow. You need to keep at it and you need to keep being challenged and you need to keep being pushed and you need to be, you know, coached, advised and, you know, all these things, you know, and, uh, that led me to, um, to kind of you know work, yeah, we were working one on one because that will help me to increase the impact ever more. Yeah. So, and if we have ten x tomorrow, okay, that's fine. So then I want a hundred x the day after, you know, just to put it in very simple terms. So it's a continuous journey, and you know, you know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I mean, and in fact, I think. One of the, um, again, one of the pitfalls sometimes as high achievers, high achievers might actually fall into, not careful, is, is actually, again, defining our scope so that we're always doing really, really well, right? In other words, because we're delivering our numbers, we're hating our numbers. One thing I've been experimenting with is like, well, you know, what is a room that I cannot get into at the moment, right? Like, what is, you know, what's a, a conference forum, you know, like, uh, it might be a government body, like, what, like where can't I get access? Like, you know, there's a, perhaps it would be really impactful if I could, but it's at the limit of my own influence and ability, right? And almost setting myself up new games where I suddenly feel that I'm a, a beginner again, 
and not you know, within my zone where I feel I'm known or appreciated or I'm well in my comfort zone. And that can be quite a scary journey, right? Because we have to do the inner work of am I prepared to be uncomfortable as we go into those new areas. So I suppose as you've been thinking about that. And, and exactly, that's exactly what you're saying. Because when you do that, you are a beginner again. So you leave, you actually, what you're doing is you're, and I hate this, you know, kind of, you know, get out of your comfort zone. You know, I hate this kind of, uh, what I like is stay in your uncomfort zone. You know, so then actually when you, when you begin something, you are in your uncomfort zone because it's kind of new. You don't know, you don't know anybody. You go to that conference with a hundred people, you don't know anybody. So it's kind of feels awkward to talk to people and everything unless, you know, unless you're the sales team at Dragonfell that can talk to anybody. <laughs> but so that's the, um, that's the thing. So you want yourself to begin stuff all the time. Because the stuff you're good at, okay, yeah, that's, you know, good. That's fine. But you need to get to uh, back to zero again. And that is the, uh, the, the complicated, that's the, that's the complicated thing to do. And that's the uncomfortable thing to do. Yeah, I love that. I think we should create make a t-shirt saying, you know, don't get out of your comfort zone, stay in your discomfort zone, David Engel, I think, on <laughs> I think that could be your quote. Probably so, probably so. There's this other thing, there's this book from uh, this uh, marathon athlete, whatever, who's also a bow hunter, and he's saying, uh, nobody cares, work harder. You know, what he means with that is for yourself, you know, get to zero again, you know, go back to zero, you know, and start from there, you know. And, you know, I, I like that notion. And, you know, it's also a good example about, um, you know, what you just said, to have that, to have that all the time. So, so let's talk about that in the context of resilience, because, oh, you know, what I know is, is that, you know, you've, I think you've put a, a perseverance is a key value for you, I think. And you know, we talked earlier on about getting clear on our purpose uh, and sharpening that up, getting on fire by it. But then how do we kind of, you know, how have you found it staying on track on that as all these things come in and as you want to play a big game or you get hit by something else? You know, how do you stay on track? Well, you know, I've got my, let's say, physical routine. So, you know, go running every day or every morning, actually six o'clock and um, including Sundays and all that kind of stuff. I always do that to kind of have that win over myself, you know, sort of the win over the, uh, the compliant, the lazy me, yeah, sort of that wants to stay in bed and everything. So, you know, I just do that and have that moment of uncomfort and yeah, I, I'm there. I've won the day. Yeah. So, and I've achieved that first little thing and that can be very different for anybody, but that's what's working for me. Sort of, you know, fight myself to win the day or the morning or whatever. And that kind of over time makes you resilient. Uh, but what also makes you resilient is, you know, we think about resilience about, you know, sort of these warriors, you know, that could take anything. And so, but actually if the shit hits the fan, you, you want to panic. Yeah. So you want to kind of, and you want to shout and you want to swear and you want to do this and everything. That's what you want to do. But I think in that moment, when the shit hit the fan, it's actually not the right thing to do. So what you need to do is you need to stay perfectly calm and look for towels, you know, so cloths or whatever. So so that's that's what you need to do. And and that requires constant, you know, reminding yourself, oh, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not, you know, don't burst out, you know, all the time. So and 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 but you know, stay calm and you know, look at 
how we can address the situation, change your point of view. I don't know, have another analysis done on your monthly numbers or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and then these little things, and they help me to grow more and more resilient against, you know, myself, you know, wanting to kind of, you know, why is it not working? You know, we should work like that, uh, this way. So, uh, and that, that helps me, you know, so in conjunction with, uh, you know, really a physical something that will help me win the day. For other people, it's making their bet. For me, it's kind of going out and, 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 and go running. Yeah, so many, so many entrepreneurs and CEOs are, live in a permanent state of frustration, right? Because of their goals and where they are and the gap between where they are. And we can be our biggest enemies on that. We feel it's necessary to push forward, but actually it just puts us in a bad energy state, right? Where we're not actually being the leader we could be. And I've definitely, one thing I've really admired in you, actually, David, is that you wanted to do that work, right? I mean, you're a strategist, you know, we can talk on the level of strategy and, you know, and, and structure and, and we do do that. But what I also enjoy is the fact you were really like, no, no, let's go as deep as we can. Like, let's really work on, you know, the foundational level, the things which get in your way, sabotage your happiness in the moment or cloud your judgment or whatever, you know, or perceptions you might have. And not every leader does that work, right? A lot of leaders get to that kind of good enough, I know how to kind of do this and operate within their, you know, their zone where they feel very comfortable and they can make things happen. And what I love about you is, for me, it's that real impact multiplier mindset is, yeah, well, if I'm going to go beyond what I'm currently doing, I need to do that deep work and make those investments. Yeah, you need to, it starts with yourself. Exactly. It starts with yourself and, you know, nobody follows you and, and oh, no, no, not follows. That's, that's the wrong term. Nobody believes that, you know, if you're not doing the hard work yourself, I mean, sort of, who, who would believe that? You know, sort of, you're saying, you know, you're sitting on the couch and, and, and uh, shouting your orders from there. Let's go and make impact, you know, so who believes that? You know, you need, be, you need to be authentic. In order to be authentic, you need to show, okay, I can't do the IT work, yeah, so, but, you know, I can do other work, you know, I can be a role model there. So that then, you know, propels it over to a different discipline. The interesting thing is, I've got this, you know, former boss many, many years ago, uh, and yeah, I don't know, maybe a decade or so ago, or a bit longer. Uh, we were on a traveling to a management retreat, and and I was sitting next to him in the plane, and he's a very pragmatic person, and so he runs that billion-dollar company, a uh, private company. So and so, and he told me, uh, do you know, do you know what you need to get to the top is actually only two things: an unbreakable will. And you know, limitless endurance. That's all you need. And then you think about what, 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 what's, what the freaking hell is it? What, what is he talking about? You know. <laughs> but then you know, sort of, only a couple of years uh, ago, you know, it started to dawn on me. You know what he meant? Yeah, of course, your will. You need to, not as in, okay, well, you need to always get your will, but you need to know what you want. Yeah, and you need to work on that. And the other thing is the endurance. Yeah. I mean, life throws shit at you all the time. So, so you need to kind of take that, you know, so you need to be able to take that without, you know, whining, you know, sort of, and, you know, just because then uh, you get into that mode where you um, tend to uh, assign uh, accountability to other people. You say, mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's his fault and he hasn't delivered that. And, you know, you disclaim, disclaim yourself from the responsibility, but ultimately, and that's the thing, you know, CEO of a company is ultimately responsible. And you can't 
escape this. You can't, there, there's no way you can accept it. So you need to face it. Yeah. And that's when I teach people about ownership. I say that, you know, when you have a situation, the first thing you have to do rather than denying and blaming, you have to own it. Like, what could I have done? But then the very next step is to forgive yourself. Because if you beat yourself up every time you take ownership, you live a miserable life and you don't, you won't want to take ownership. You'll want to find every reason that it's not your fault. So, Forgiveness is the prerequisite for then learning and then doing something different next time. Yeah, that's a great concept, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly that. Yeah, and and I think that going back a few minutes, you were talking about being authentic in that context of growing as a leader. I think some people again feel that to be authentic, they just have to stay as they are. Like this is just who I am, and therefore I'm being authentic. Whereas actually, I think the question is more like having a growth mindset, right? Like who do you know? Who do I want to be? Like, what do I want to bring out of myself to be the leader that I need to be and then be that authentic leader? Because if you look back 10 years, you're a very different person. So was I. Looking back even five years, you know, we're different people. And I think there are two alarm bells that I hear when, when clients speak to me, one of which is the truth of the situation is, because I just know they're going to tell me a story about what they think the situation's like, but it's not only the truth, it's just their perspective. And the second one is, I'm just the kind of person who dot, dot, dot. And that second one is, 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 again, also a story. It's like that's how we've been successful in the past or what we found has worked for us in the past. But actually, like, who knows who we will be next year, right? Or what we want to be different. Yeah, right. There, there is that uh, Dutch song that I like uh, from, from this Dutch uh, singer, the very old uh, song. Uh, try to translate it here. It's, it's um, the past doesn't secure you in the future, something like that, you know, sort of past might give you confidence, you know, about what you can and cannot do. Yeah. Uh, your experience and everything, but you know, it doesn't tie you over, you know, into the future. Uh, so, so you need to, and that's, that's again, I mean, that's where you need to get yourself to, to the beginning again, you know, on a big monopoly board, you need to get, get to on that, on that start field again and, 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 and get more, uh, into that. Yeah. Uncomfort zone really. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. So, so David, I guess, uh, as we start to wrap up here, I guess, um, two questions come to mind. Let's do the first one, which is uh, how do you want to multiply your impact and the impact of Drake and Farrell? Uh, yeah, Drake and Farrell is up to big things. I know, you know, you're successful in the telecoms area, recycling that waste. You're now really moving in very successfully as well into the, um, the EV charging market and working with a lot of key partners there. So what does multiplying the impact look like for, for that business and then for you leading it? What, how do you need to shift? A great question. So for the business, uh, there is a lot of, you know, operational and technical things because we're moving into something like a new market uh, uh, with the uh, e-mobility uh, and also the med tech. Uh, so that means that, you know, my key task is to get the team on board yeah, to in that mindset shift to say, all right, we've been doing great things in the telco for all the clients that we have there and you know they're very happy um working with us and and now we need to transpose that to different clients which is kind of you know a, a challenging change uh, let's say because it works a little bit different you know it's the same model it's the same activity that we do but just a little bit different because the clients are different the industry dynamic is different and that is i think for me the biggest uh, let's say enabler to to get the team and help them to uh, to get into that uh, mindset um, and away from 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 you know oh phew, that's very tough and it's a tall order and this and that so 
getting into that. Uh, for me personally, you know, I couldn't be happier, you know, sort of if team or individual team members are celebrating their success. So they've done something great. And, you know, so I go, oh, that's, you know, it's like, it's, it's great. It's great. So I want more of that sort of, I want them to be, you know, very, 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 very successful. And when they're very successful, I want to, I want to enable them to, to do more and to, um, uh, because it's a good feeling, you know, it's a good feeling to be successful. So, yeah. And I, I suppose that is the biggest impact that will happen because what then follows is that that energy is put into what we do as Drake and Farrell and put out as the, the service that we deliver to our clients, but also to the environment, you know, and reducing, continuously reducing e-waste in the world. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So I love the, uh, so I love the mission that you're on. Uh, I'd say the way that you're continually willing to look at yourself as, as if you like, um, a lever, you know, um, for, for that change in the world, right. Rather than always looking at what you need from other people or looking at how you put your own game. And I, I love that in you. Um, David, I'm always curious because, you know, I have my own way as I talk about, you know, the, the CEO group or about how I work with people one-to-one, but you're somebody who's in the role and you've experienced both of those. So, you know, what would, you know, if you were talking to another CEO about, you know, about Rivendell uh, or even about one-to-one and just explaining like what Richard is like or like, what, what the benefit's like, you know, what, what would you be saying to them? You know, who would you say it's right for or what they expect? Philosophically, I'd probably say to them, okay, there's be, and you know that fellow CEO, there are a lot of dark moments, you know, sort of in, in your work. And then, you know, something like, you know, the Rivendell community would help you to perform and to be at the very best, at your personal best in those very dark moments, because that's uh, what, you know, CEOs usually need help with, you know, so how to be their best at their very dark, at the darkest moments, um, because all the rest is all fine, you know, sort of they're not CEOs because they've been not qualified. Yeah? So I think that is what I would say. And, you know, I would uh, specifically say about the Rivendell group that it uh, provides a sense of a very specific community that makes, you know, the guy at the top feel, okay, there are other people experiencing the same challenges that I can also openly talk about and go deep past. Yeah. So that's what I would uh, would say to them. And yeah, obviously yeah, we're talking about, you know, multiplying the impact. And I think working with you, you know, that goes deeper and faster and, and more intense and uh, more um, impactful. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Hey, thanks, David. Um, uh, it's always hard for me to ask people these kind of questions, but it's, it's helpful, right, to, to get it in other people's language um, other than just my own. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got this, uh, you've got this, I mean, so obviously you also have been having a very, very long decades, decades long uh, business career. So you're one of these coaches actually knows the business issues and topics and things like that. So, you know, which helps a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I always, used to, I always used to joke to people that I said I'm a, I'm this like non HR person that does these HR kind of things these days, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because actually, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do, I do understand that. You know, obviously the, the business context of people, which I think three is important. You know, I did a strategy for years, but I realized the most important strategy is the personal strategy, actually, like working on ourselves, because that changes the results we get, right? And often we don't we look at that. We just try and intellectually, you know, solve all the all the analytical components right and thinking that all we have to do is be smart right and it all will work out and 
reality is that's only a part of the equation. And uh, well, hey, that's a good place to leave it. Um, David, it's been a real pleasure. You know, I, um, I've enjoyed, you know, interacting with you, you know, in all these different contexts. Uh, but today, I think what I've really enjoyed, yeah, is this perspective, I suppose, around the discomfort zone, right? Uh, you know, and about resilience and about that point of actually getting to a place where we can enjoy all the chaos that's coming at us, uh, but being so on our mission that actually, you know, we get to do this, right? And and it, and it's fun and we don't have to take these things so heavily as when perhaps our identity is tied up in it. I suppose that's how I would summarize. Oh, very well, very well um, summarized, yeah. So many thanks, David. It's been a pleasure to, to speak again today and to... And- and a blast. Thank you very much. Seeing how Drake and Farrell keeps going um, from strength to strength. Great. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast where you'll find all the details. Now, finally... When you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.